Midwest is kind of what we called when we moved here, the last bastion of real segregation. segregation. Yes. Writing doesn't happen just because I just feel like writing today. It really comes because of something deep down where people feel like unless I do something drastic, no one's going to hear my voice. 2020, this is, and, and the Jewish year, 5780, yes. is the year of the voice. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're right on track as far as people's voices need to be heard, especially those that are have been oppressed. does forgiving one person in my life have to do with unifying the whole world? What are some tools I can use to live a life of more freedom? These are just some of the concepts you'll hear about in every episode of See One Beautiful Soul. Hey, it's Barbara Heller. Welcome back to See One Beautiful Soul. My guest today is a couple named Cece and Derek Murray. I met Derek in an airport in LaGuardia, New York, and then I wound up meeting him on the other side of the flight in St. Louis, Missouri. What happened, we will tell you in the episode, but I really think that this is See One Beautiful Soul in action. The way that we met, who we are as people, how we show up in the world. If I could be so bold, as to put myself in the same category as he and his wife. And please stick around for also part B of their episode when they talk about some of the horrific things that they've been through um, in terms of racial inequality in their area of St. Louis, Missouri. But this particular episode is just an introduction to who they are and what they do in the world and how they minister. Um, They are both Christians. They are very active in their community. They are two of the most loving people I've ever met, non-judgmental, just so sweet. You're going to love them. And I really can't wait to hear what you guys think of this. I've always said that if you want to be on this show, you don't have to be famous. You just have to feel like someone who has great presence and has a great story to tell about forgiveness, failure, or about freedom, or all three. I really believe that that could be anybody because we all have that inside of us if we have the courage to really listen in and then share it. My eight-week course is starting soon. Please check out the details at findcreativeclarity.com. You can send me an email and I'll tell you more about it. It's an online course. It is live with me. There are still a couple of spots left. We're keeping it pretty small, but I'd love to have you in there. I'd love to hear what you think of it. And if you're looking for something to do with all the greatness inside of you, this could be the right class for you. Also, please check out my book. And then One Day the World Coughed. It is a children's book for kids of all ages, especially and including adults. You can find it on amazon.com in either Kindle or paperback copy. And it is 41 panels of original art made by me. Messy, but I got it done. It is perhaps an attempt to respond to some of the awesome blessings that are coming out of this crazy pandemic. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do so. Like us, leave a review on iTunes. It really helps our algorithm and gets the word out there. If you know somebody with a great story about failure freedom, 
wisdom or forgiveness, please let us know. Send us an email at info at barbheller.com. And please join our communities on Facebook. We have both a live community that's very interactive and then just the regular podcast page on Facebook. You can also join me on Instagram at Barbie Heller, B-A-R-B-I-E-H-E-L-L-E-R. You can view and listen to some of my silly songs as well as stuff that's related to this podcast. You can also find me on YouTube as well, Barbara Heller, artist and educator, and you'll see lots of fun videos that have to do with it. Also, there is a playlist about the song that I mentioned, You Are Gold, which has both a documentary as well as a behind the scenes. I'd love to hear what you guys think. It just won its first award in some of the film festivals that it's been entered in. And if you want to see any of those videos and more, you can go to my YouTube channel, Barbara Heller, artist and educator, and look up the playlist, You Are Gold, and you'll see a bunch of videos relating to both the music video and including the music video as well as the behind the scenes. DC and Derek Murray, what an honor to be... Uh, I'm going to cry. I, you guys make me cry all the time. You look beautiful. Thank I'm you. so honored to be in your Good. presence. What a gift. You're the first people that I called on when I said, what is this podcast really all about? It's you. I'm going to say it right now. If anyone is listening to this and doesn't want to believe in something bigger than them or just doesn't believe, either you're going to leave believing after you listen to these two people, forget me, or you may just want to log off now because... <laughs> That's all we talk about. Go ahead and just go ahead and go. Go ahead and go. Walk out the door. Derek, I'm going to ask you to describe the way that we met itself is just so divine. February 2020 in LaGuardia Airport, uh, one of the little shops getting some food. And this lady was at the cash register and she's asking for some ketchup. So I'm grabbing ketchup packets and I said, ma'am, here you go. Here's some. And she's like, oh my gosh, you are so sweet. Thank you. You were actually listening to my conversation and everything. I said, yeah. And so she was like, you're just a sweetheart. Thank you so much. I said, is that all you need? Do you need anything more? Utensils, anything like that? And she's like, no, I'm good. And the lady behind the counter is like, oh, thank you for helping. And so I guess you saw part of the interaction going on. And I was just smiling, doing my thing. And Derek, showing up as being, me. In me. Yeah. And so... I got on the plane and I'm sitting down and I always make it a point just when I'm traveling, just to smile at people when they're coming on and just smile. And so I smiled as people are coming down and then you came down the aisle and you're like, oh, Mr. I think it's a Mr. Smiley or something like that. And I was like, hey, and it was like, first in my mind, I'm like, do I know her? She looks familiar, but no, I don't. She just said, hey. And so I smiled back at you and that was it. Our interaction took the flight, got to St. Louis. So I'm waiting for my honey to come get me. Yeah, I went to baggage claim. I got my bag. And as I'm doing that, I was going to sit down in this one row of seats. And I felt God speak Mm. to me and say, no, not there. And we have this, he and I always have this dialogue. I want you to go over here and sit. So I was like, okay, let me move over here. I sit down and then I see you and this other beautiful family walk in front of me and you're talking about where to get the bags, where they came off. And so I was like, oh, that's the lady that smiled at me on the flight and spoke to me. And so I said, hey guys, our bags came off actually over here on Carousel, whatever. Listening again and helping someone out of the blue. Yeah. yeah. And so you guys were like, oh, thank you so much. And then you came up to me. You're like, 
are you an actor? Are you a this? <laughs> and I said, no, just a just a guy that just got off the plane. I work in healthcare and IT and stuff and uh, coming back from New York and everything. And then we just struck a conversation. This is where yeah. I remember. Your photographic okay, memory is in- insane. The couple was actually an observant Jewish family. And certain minorities, yeah. you we, have a code, right? We know it. We yeah. Know it. yeah. You were talking about Shabbat. And I said, you know what Shabbat is? Because... The word Shabbat is not usually used by non-Jews, right? Yeah. Unless they worked for them at some point, you know? Yeah. Like Colin Powell worked for a Jewish family. He speaks Yiddish better than I do. So he knows yeah. what the word Shabbat is, but that's just his story. Yeah. But like most people, they'll say Sabbath. I heard you say Sabbath. And you said Shabbat. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and we just started talking about Shabbat. And I said something like, you know, it's so interesting that you say that. And I think I told you a little bit about You Are Gold or, or the documentary I had just done. And you were like, oh my God. And you had this look on your face that I get all the time, yeah. which is, I know I'm meeting you because God sent you to me. <laughs> yes. yes. And That's it's it. the weirdest feeling if you don't know what it is, because I always feel like sometimes people think I'm trying to sell them on something or that I, I want something from them, but I'm just so taken that this is one of those moments that I've got to be real conscious and yes. listening because something is about to happen that I yes. was sent there for. And there are yes. so few people on the planet that number one, act that way, show up that way, aren't afraid to be that way. And then yes. to meet like my equal of that <laughs> feeling and we both got it. And I almost started to cry right there. And I was like, Barb, hold back. It was, it was so amazing. It was truly what people say, a God moment. It yes. was a God moment. So, so she's he, yes, circling. I'm circling. And he's like, and, I, and, so, and so I get on the phone because she's calling me saying, hey, where are you? And I was like, just circle again. Yeah, I'll, he's I'll saying, tell you. He's and saying, I was like, how on earth does he get that even though we haven't actually had a conversation yet? We're supposed to be talking. I was like, and then it gave me the heebie-jeebies because I'm like, I'm usually the one that looks nuts, but we're both nuts. It was like, we just couldn't stop talking. And you're like, we have so much to talk about. And I said, we have so much to talk about. And you're like, I keep Shabbat. And I was like, I do too. And My great-great-grandfather was Jewish. Yeah. And so I didn't know On your dad or your mom's side? On my mom's side. I know we spoke in that moment about being there for strangers Yes. And how important it is to be listening and open with our eyes and our ears, both of them. I said to you, I'm so taken with you because I saw how you were in the airport, but I forgot that piece until just now. Yeah. But if you actually listen back to this story, what's so amazing about you, Derek, is that you only got to that conversation with me because you were listening with both ears and both eyes. Yes. Yeah. Twice. Yes. And then I noticed it. And you also, when I got on the plane, I didn't remember this part of the story, but you were like, do I know her? So you also didn't believe that I was listening with yeah. both ears and both eyes. It's like, yeah. it's, it's a weird thing to notice someone who notices. It, it's so true. And I, a lot of times I, I notice people that notice because I'm sitting there and some people will engage me, but then they'll turn away. The light is want- strong. <laughs> yeah. It's very. They don't, and then there's some that just go, oh, an oasis of a smile. Yes. That's what it's like. It's yes. like yeah. I can I can relax. Someone just smiled at me. I can be at ease. 
yeah. and rep. That's what it is. And that's what I try to embody. Um, it's just a smile that just welcomes someone and says, hey, you're with friends. You can rest. Yeah. We, we try to do that yeah. with our lives, with people that we encounter because everyone is a beautiful soul. Everyone. Everyone. We are so conditioned in this world to look at the exterior. Oh. We miss so much. Yes. So, because we make judgment calls based on what we see yes. and what we've been conditioned to respond to. We miss humanity. Humanity goes by. It does. What attracts you to being of your presence when you are standing there with that smile that you, you said, an oasis? This is my third career. I was in the United States Air Force for five and a half, six years. That's how we met in her hometown where I was stationed in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. Then I taught school for 25 years, special education, ended my career 20 years, five years in Alaska, 20 years here in Missouri. Then I really felt that it was time for me to retire. Nobody believed me. I retired and then I didn't know what I was going to do next. I was training on behavioral uh, modification, de-escalation for violent students and, and different things like that. Uh, so I was training administrators and teachers, those principals. And so with my training background, I saw this opening on LinkedIn for a trainer for a medical software company. You know, wherever I go, I, I'm aware of my surroundings. I just try to stay open to my surroundings and people that are around me, people I'm encountering on the street. When I was in education, they called me. It was something when you called me, oh, there he is, Mr. Smiley. That's what I was called all the time. So that really, when you said that, it really connected something in me because it was like, that's my, that was my nickname. <laughs> all the teachers call me Mr. Smiley because <laughs> I would engage students wow. that way. I wanted to make sure that when they came into my classroom or if I was in the hallway, that the first thing I greeted them with was a smile and with a greeting. One of my favorite teachers in the whole world passed away, but I still learned from her, is Rebbitson Esther Youngrace, who escaped concentration camps. And she was eight when she went in. She was 13 when she got out. Her father was one of the head rabbis of Budapest, Hungary. And they were very wealthy. And when they left, they had nothing. Uh, the government took everything from them. She was flown by President George W. Bush from Washington, D.C. to Jerusalem the year that they redid the Holocaust Museum, Yad Vashem. She said, Never in my wildest dreams would I would have believed that I'd be standing on a plane with the President of the United States going from Washington, D.C. to Jerusalem, which didn't even... I mean, it of course, it's, it's existed for thousands right. of years, but it, it wasn't encompassed by a government or whatever in 1940. Yeah. And she said, it only dawned on me as we were flying over Bergen-Belsen, where I had lice in my hair, one cornmeal bread a day, and coffee, that I was, she said... This is why you can't stop believing in God and doing the right thing yeah. because she really thought she was on her way to the deathbed yeah. and 70 years later, whatever it was, she's on a plane with the president of the, he asked three people and she was one of them. Oh, wow. The only woman That's... that he asked. Wow. Uh, going to a Holocaust museum 
in Israel, yeah. now that I've given you that background, she said once, if I had one mitzvah, one commandment I would teach everybody in the world is to smile. It doesn't cost anything. And it no. says in the Talmud that our smile is the real estate we pay back to God for giving us our body. Wow. So every time you encounter another soul, your job, and of course it comes to you naturally, yes. your job yes. is to smile. Even if they are the most evil person in the world, there's yes. always that hope that they will see the smile, believe that people are good, and in a moment, their whole life can change. How many stories have we yeah. read in Chicken Soup for the Soul? I was going to, God forbid, a person's going to commit yeah. suicide. One person smiles and says, good morning. Yeah. That's the second thing you do. You give them a greeting. Yes. No matter who it is, because Correct. we just don't know what kind mm -hmm. of a day they're coming from or where they're going to. And the opposite is true. If a yes. person is nasty, how yes. much could that just take your wind out of your sails, right? Yeah, so yes. I'm sharing that with you because you might not have known that that's a commandment, but it is to greet someone oh. with a, a cheerful countenance. Your face is your real yeah. estate. It's your rent for yeah. having this body. That's good. Wow. I love it. I, I love, love it too. What draws you to this work of being filled with great presence when you meet someone? Personally? Well, to be honest, I have to say it's because I am so thankful and grateful for God and where he's brought me from and where he's brought me to. I've walked into a room and smiled, and they say, here comes Miss America. You're from Shreveport, Louisiana. Were you born there? Yes, I was born there. Just a poor little black girl, didn't have much, but what I did have, I cherished it. Had people in my life that saw more in me than maybe what I saw in myself. I had teachers that were that way, that they saw something. And so they made it in their minds that they were gonna pour into me to give me things so that I can move forward. And so that's part of smiling. You want to pour into people, even with a smile, so that they can move forward because they may be stuck. And you smiling may bring them out of that stagnant place, may make them take a step. There's something in me that wants to help pull people out and say, come on, let's do this. Something different and new. People will go ahead and go, oh, okay. It's so funny because you both have said a couple of times to me, you know, we don't have our own children. And yeah. I, I keep saying yet because I still feel that yes. something, something is stirring somewhere and people are having kids at all kinds of ages. But it reminds me of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and his wife who they started this movement called Chabad, which I'm sure you've heard of with like the black mm -hmm. hats, but they're like everywhere. They're in Guam. Whatever the Hasidish or people used to be looked up as like they keep to themselves and they don't really do anything for anyone else. And, you know, whatever that stereotype is, they blew that out of the water. Like they help all communities everywhere all the time. And they're even to Jews, they're not forcing them or judging them to be like them or dress like them. They just want to help everybody all the time. And they're an incredible yeah. movement. And the people who started it was this couple Menachem Mendel Schneerson and his wife, her name is Chaya Mushka, and they created schools and housing projects all over the world for families, for communities. They helped everyone and they never had their own children. And he used to answer like thousands of letters a day, supposedly, each one handwritten. I don't know how he did it. He always wow. said, I couldn't have had my own children. I needed to help all these other people. To compare you to them is a really high level, but you're really on that kind of level. And I want you to talk just for a second about some of the work that you do in your community because driving around, I'm going to call it the prayer ambulance. The prayer ambulance. <laughs> what 
possessed you to do this and can everybody learn how and can you do it in a way where we all do it at the same time the prayers you must pray as we are all in this place yes yes surreal holy place yes yes it is everyone is on the same playing field right now we were like okay we can't get out but we can get out because we can get in our car and get out and we're still in so there we go just yep. the two. Yeah. Your yeah. little prayer yeah. vessel. Yes. That's right. Yes. So we decided to take prayer on wheels. Yes. And, uh, you know, there were things, of course, with the pandemic going on, we just felt that God needed to just show up and just cover our area. That's what we wanted. Yeah. Just that his... His presence. Yeah. His presence. Yeah. Would be felt. Yeah. Would be, especially with people not being able to see their family members yes. if they were on their deathbeds. We don't have any family here in Missouri. What part can we play? So we were like, you know what? We'll take it on. What's our portion? Yeah. So we took it on wheels, struck out on Interstate 70 and began to just pray that God's angels would come, that we'd receive angelic assistance, that God's presence would be felt and tangibly known by people that were hurting and struggling. And so all he needs is just some willing vessels that'll say, yeah, we'll strike out. We'll go. Yeah. We'll, we'll change the atmosphere. Yes. And so that's what we did. And so we would just go and we'd sing yeah. and worship and drive and just pray whatever comes to our to our hearts. The Bible says that we're to pray for those that are in authority over us, pray for our leaders. So we would pray for the government officials because they had decisions to make, affect our lives, but the lives of the people in our area. So we wanted God to give them wisdom on what they needed to do and how they needed to do it so that we'd all be safe. The reason I was in St. Louis is for a song leader boot camp for Jewish professionals who are also artists that sing in congregation, in classrooms, in in seminars that are Jewish and non-Jewish. And the only reason I kind of knew why you might be so worried about your community is because one of the waitresses in the hotel for the Continental Breakfast said, I can't wait to get out of St. Louis because I'm afraid to walk in my neighborhood. And I said, yeah. what's going on there? And she said, it is so divided. It is. You want to talk a little bit about that? What's going on yeah. in St. Louis today? What's happening? People think that the Midwest is easy breezy. You know, it's cornfields forever, which it is. And just, you know, tornadoes, you know, they, they think of Kansas, Missouri, you know, NEM and, and Dorothy <laughs> getting swept away. But it, it, and it is that to a certain extent, but it is also kind of what we call when we moved here, the last bastion of real segregation. segregation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Even in 2020. Yes. Even in 2020. 2020. It's different levels, but one, one thing I'll bring out is... You're right. Even in 2020, you would think that things would be different. But we've always said that we felt that the South had made big strides. Here, we felt like they really hadn't dealt with it fully. And because this area, St. Louis, really is a part of the American history, that was the reason why things are like they are. We believe that God has made some strides. Of course, during this pandemic and what has happened, especially with Ferguson that happened in 2014, killing of Michael Brown, Ferguson, Missouri, it brought up old wounds were uncovered. Even when people are rioting and they're doing things, rioting doesn't happen just because I feel like rioting today. It really comes because of something deep down where people feel like, unless I do something drastic, no one's going to hear my voice. And 
2020, this is, and, and the Jewish year, 5780, yes. is the year of the voice. Yes. <laughs> We're right on track as far as people's voices need to be heard, especially those that are have been oppressed for centuries. All of these voices are crying out now. They're crying out for justice. That was one thing that I, I learned as a teacher and that I taught other teachers was that when you have someone that is coming at you violently or, you know, they're cursing at you or whatever, you know, look beyond the fault yeah. and see the need. Yeah. Mm. What is it they're really trying to communicate to you? Yeah. There's a, a way that you can work through that without getting offended and just say, hey, I hear something else here. Yeah. Um, Take your ego out for a second. Just be, exactly. be a soul. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's not about me. Yeah. It's not Never about is. me. I deactivated myself. This is not about me. There's something deeper here. And so we've got to begin to see the deeper things yeah. that are going on with those that are around us that are in pain. Mm-hmm. People are in pain. They're yeah. hurting. Mm-hmm. And so there's so a lot is, of crime in St. Louis, right? There's gangs. There, and, there is. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of crime. There are a lot of murders. Of and there issues. is a lot of division. The common question that you're going to be asked is what high school did you go to? Yeah. You know, and then where do you live? Do you live in North County, South County, West, West County? County uh, right. Why do people ask that? What does it mean to know that? I think from the past, it establishes it's established boundaries, boundaries of, of where, of you, where you blacks go. were, yeah. whites were. Yeah. You're not one of us. So you, you have not really felt what we've had to feel here. But it's like, but I've seen what you've been through here. And it's time for things to change. It's time for people to come to the table and really have a heart-to-heart conversation. They've been moving forward. Ferguson, Missouri got their first African-American mayor. Yes. Uh, a woman. She won this, yes, this past election. Yes. Right in the middle of all yes. of this happening. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yes. So there are signs of change and yes. things of people coming to the table to make change. I had a student come to me, came to me, he was in the military, had come back home, and he said, Miss Maria, I want you to know something that I've never told you or anyone. He said, when I was in your classroom, you talked to me, and you told me that I had a purpose for my life and different things. And he said, what you didn't know was that I was going to commit suicide. You talked to me that way that day, and I did not do it. I was just blown away. And you you don't know, you don't know the struggles that people have. That's why we can't look at each other, at our color, at anything. You don't know. Struggles don't have any color. You have to look at people as people first. We are trying to do, as we go out and sing, yeah. as we go out and minister in different arenas that God has allowed us to do here, women's groups, in men's groups together. I mean, just different places where he's had us go. And uh, we just bring God's love with us and just say, you know what? God has a future and a hope for you. Mm. He does. He's got plans that go beyond what society's limits may try to put on you. Mm. He can take you further if you just trust him. I was the first black person, first woman to be a loan officer there, a known KKK headquarters. This one person come up to me at the back and began to tell me that it was known in that area that black people stayed in their places because if they didn't, they would probably be hung. Of course, 
I didn't flinch. They said it that didn't. in real time in front of you. Yes. In, yes. Yes. in 1990-something. Yes. Great. Yes. Wow. Late 90s. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, of course, like I said, I didn't flinch. I didn't get fearful. I didn't run away. I basically just... I invaded their space and I crossed my arms and I just said to them, is that right? That is really something that you're telling me that. Finished the conversation because then they went on to talking about other things. I just knew what my purpose was. Like you said, to smile, to be who I am and to know that God was protecting me and watching over me no matter what. Yeah, that's real strength (laughs) and courage. I wrote a song called You Are Gold and it was in response to living outside the projects in New York City, taking a train every day to one of the schools, one of the four schools that I worked at, going through the South Bronx every single day and sitting with people that I never had the privilege and the honor of sitting with before. Thinking that I was woke and loving and understanding and and present to everything. No one can possibly be that all the time. And I was in situations where I felt threatened for my life. I was in situations where I was really scared and scared for the safety of others. But the whole two years that I did this commute, including walking into my apartment building through the projects, I forced myself to walk into dangerous situations so that I could be present to it. And there were moments when I walked around because I was like, well, don't put yourself in the middle of danger. But I forced myself to go outside my comfort zone. And I wrote a song because I was mad. And that's how I deal with my anger. I I write music, I write plays, I draw, I paint, I make children's books, try to turn it into something creative that people can look at and say, oh, what am I doing? What are we doing? Not just you guys, me too, because we're all a reflection of each other. And I was so angry that people who didn't see themselves as a soul, there were people I was sitting next to that took abuse every day from either their employers or their partners. And I saw so much of it. The difference between the poor people and the rich people is that the poor people can't help sometimes, but show everything that's going on on the outside because they just don't don't have the bandwidth to keep it in. Yeah. Yeah. But there are slaves all over this city that have millions of dollars and they are slaves. There's a woman who lives right in this city that is beaten constantly by her husband, but she's so afraid of being poor. She's more afraid of being poor and starting over again than staying in this house with millions of dollars and taking abuse because he's conditioned her. I wrote the song originally just for Black Lives Matter. And then I made a documentary on it. It took me a whole year to make the video. It became not every life matters, every soul matters. Yes. If you go out and say right now to anybody on the street, no matter what Mm -hmm. their outside is, all Mm -hmm. lives matter. Oh, man. Duh. You know, you get hit. But if I say every soul matters, what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to tell everyone is we are literally flesh of my flesh, bone of my, like enough with this. My great grandparents escaped with their lives and got here and had nothing Their entire families were wiped out. Really want everyone to stop seeing the skin. But it's hard. It's hard to let that go. And you know what? The stories need their place. Just like we have Holocaust classes. Europe, by the way, doesn't have Holocaust classes anymore. Wow. Yeah. So we're not allowed to teach Holocaust studies anymore. Like certain areas in in Europe will not let you bring in a Holocaust book. It is time for Black history to be a required course in school. 
A hundred percent. And the way that it needs to be told, not the way that some white person sees it. Yeah. yeah. We need to yeah. hear about Jewish slave owners. It was seven yeah. percent of the yeah. people. I went and saw a play about it and I was mortified. I had to write a story about it for a newspaper and I was like, no. But the cool thing that no one is going to really take the time to look at is that Jewish slave owners were different because we have yeah. a whole section of the Bible that talks about being not a slave, but a servant. They were taught Torah. They were given Bible study, which at least they had some sort of education. Yeah. It's a completely different thing. No one wants to hear about that. They just want to say, oh, no, Jews are bad, too. But, <laughs> they were bad. Yeah, they but they, there was different privileges you got if you were, you know, I'm not excusing yeah. it. We should never have had slaves. No. But the fact that we treated them well, not maybe yeah. all of the slave owners, I'm sure they mixed in yeah. with everybody else. But anyway, back to you. We, we don't want to not see who we are. Yeah. We, we want to see who we are. Yeah. We want to see the diversity. We want to see yes. the differences. The outside. It's just how we respond yes. to it is what the real issue is. It's not the color and everything, because we always say this, check your tree, check your lineage. You never know what's You never know. Right. You never know. Everything that you're hating on Maybe You, you spot it, you got it. When did you first learn about forgiveness? And I want each of you to answer it. Why is it important to you? It, it, it was a progressive thing. I heard stories of things that had happened to my mother's family, and they still talk about it to this day, um, because it's a source of pain and hurt. My great-grandmother, her first husband, was killed by a group of white men because the person whose property they were on, they were sharecropping my great-grandmother when my great-grandfather was gone and tried to have sexual relations with her. She warded him off, told her husband about it. He went and confronted the man and, I think, you know, hit him. You know, they got into a fight about it. He prevailed. Well, only for a short amount of time, of course, back in those days, the 20s, he came back with a group of men, killed my great-grandfather. And so my family to this day has held some real unforgiveness, where for me, I saw a point and, and still see that with my family, who when we talk, they still bring it up and talk about it. There's a place of forgiveness that has to take place. It happened so long ago, but even things that happen right now, mm. when you don't allow forgiveness to be a part of your being, it's hard for you to move forward. You stay stuck in the past and it holds you anchored to the past. I myself have learned, I don't count myself special or different or anything. It's just what God has done in me. I see the importance of forgiving that family. My family knows that the family is still there. Ooh. Yeah, it's still... And it's they've still never spoken. Never. Does the family never. know what happened? You know, I don't even know. But at some point, I would go and be the agent of reconciliation and, and real forgiveness. The whole entire yeah. world would benefit. Yeah. So just those kinds of things, I've had to go back through my life and forgive certain people for certain things. Um, being abused when I was growing up. Physically, sexually. How much um, more respect can I have? Every time I talk to you, it grows by leap. Drop a yeah. bomb. <laughs> I know. Wow. You wouldn't be able to freely talk about that. To be able to forgive yeah. released me yeah. from yes. the, the hurt, the yeah. pain of it. Yeah. Not that it 
excused or in any way that person's behavior because they were abused as well. But it releases me, all of the shame, able to then talk about it more, be able to help someone else that has gone through it. Forgiveness is a process. Mm -hmm. You know, we can forgive, but then we have to walk it out. Yeah. Because when you're faced with certain things, oh boy, the the, the feelings of, of anger can yeah. come up, everything. But I've learned that it's best to just work through it, face it, deal with it, and then I can move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so vitally important. For me, it's, it's similar, but I, I'm going to describe it this way. It's like an onion, peeling an onion, yeah. layer at a time. It's exposed and... There it is. And and the tears. That's such a great metaphor, yeah. Cece. Yes. Yeah. But it's also this. I have to go to the word of God. When the children of Israel were going to the promised land and they had gotten bitten by snakes and God told Moses to put a snake bronze on a pole, bronze it. Yep. Yes. And that when the people looked on it, they would be healed. They live. And yeah. that's where our medical, if anybody find that snake on a pole. So anyway, yeah. I'm saying that to say the remedy is in the sickness. Correct. Yes. And not only that, peel back the onion and you're forgiving and you're walking it through and you're walking it out. We have to look at the snake on the pole so that we can be healed. Yeah. Beautiful. Onions are toxic in a good way. Like yes. if you have a cold, cut yes. one in half, Better. put it on the countertop. And in a week you'll see it get green and moldy, but green. you won't have any sickness in your house. I'm like, what? But that's also why you shouldn't save onions. Like eat them that day fresh, then get rid of yeah. them. If you can put it in the fridge, even if you wrap it up real nice, it's got all the toxins inside of there and then you're going to eat them. Ugh, vomit. And, it, and it takes people being open to want to look at things in order to have it heal. I have to look at it. I have to deal with it. My honey helping me walk through it. Whoever God brings mm. my life to help me walk through it. That helps me to make it to that place that I ultimately need to be and that's to be healed so that mm. I can help others. I was abused as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sexually. Yeah. I told her what had happened to me and she looked at me and was like, that happened to me as well. Yeah. That was the and me I, too moment. That's why me too is such a whoa, yeah, powerful yeah. name. Exactly. Yeah. And so then <sighs> we, then we were, were able, able yeah, yeah, to, to, to get the help we needed from each other, but then we were able to get yeah. help from others to help, yeah, us, to help walk us walk through. through it. When you don't forgive, you can't. It's on you. It, it, it yeah. is. It is. People can see it a mile away. Yeah. yeah. They may know fully what it is, yeah. but they know it's something. It's just being open. That's the door to being free. Sometimes it's hard to yes. do. Yes. And yeah. sometimes that door is big, it's rusty, yes. and it's big, huge. But just if you just ask God for the strength to yes. open up the door, he will help you. Open our hearts and say, God, just help me. I need your help. Yeah. with this he is so there yeah i mean so there he's ever present help yeah, yeah. judaism trouble. says that this the satanic force or that we call it satan like that negativity that we have inside yeah. of us is actually there including the i call them teachers not sinners but the teachers that god gives us the good and the not so good we chose that path Yes, once we're conscious enough to say, no, I'm not hanging out with these friends. We have some control over it, but the ones we don't have control over, that is literally put there as a gift from God so that we can go, okay, I'm going to rise up to this challenge so I can help others. You know the song? 
the very narrow bridge. It's a Jewish song. The whole world is a very narrow bridge, a very narrow bridge, a very narrow bridge. The whole world is a very narrow bridge, a very narrow bridge. But the main thing to recall is to have no, have no fear at all. But the main thing to recall is to have no fear at all. I love that. It's like an old Jewish tune. Yes. Wow. Yeah. My wow. grandma heard that song her first day in Jerusalem. She was 89 years old. She'd never been out of the country before or off the continent. She'd been to Mexico, but that was it. And we took her at 89 with a walker crutches and a wheelchair because her legs were not well and she went all the way to Israel her first moment in Jerusalem we walk into a pizza parlor I can't believe that she's there because I've already been to Israel like a bunch of times and someone says shalom welcome welcome to Israel and she says I'm 89 I never been here before they all started singing it the entire, it was like a musical, the whole room, the pizza guy, the the, the, the guy cleaning up the plates, everybody stopped what they were doing and they sang that song to her and she could, she goes, I can't hear, what are they singing? What are the words? And I told her and she couldn't stop crying. I would have been in her walker. She was like frozen (laughs) crying, looking at all these people. (laughs) That's awesome. That's how we felt. We went to Israel last year. (laughs) Oh my God, it was the most awesome thing. I asked God one day, what is my name? What is my naming? I, I did not know. I opened up a concordance. A concordance is a giant a historical book. dictionary of biblical terms. Just a in biblical case you know term. Yeah. yeah, I open it up. And there's his name. There's my name. He just opens it. D-E-R-E-K. Yeah. He, did, he didn't look to say, oh, where do I go to where find it? Where do I go it? to find it? Right, Derek, which means the path of the holy one or the divine. And I, I think Lasitha could be for the anointed of God because the ah uh, on the end is usually God's name. So I wonder if for the anointed one of God or something like that. And together you walk a divinely anointed path, which makes sense. I haven't really gotten into a fight with anybody in a really long time because I just, I don't have time for that. I don't believe in fights. I believe in arguments because I'm Jewish. <laughs> But I, yeah. <laughs> we're all lawyers, but I, yeah. but I, I believe in, in, there's one kind of argument that you're allowed to have as, as a, a righteous person. And I don't consider myself a righteous person. I'm still working on it, but it's, it's something that I take very seriously, those laws. And one of the laws is you're allowed to have an argument if it's for the sake of Shemayim, for the sake of heaven. And I, I take that very seriously. So the only time I argue is if I'm trying to figure out what the morality is in a situation. It's the only time I'll argue with anybody. Otherwise I go, you're right. No problem. Yes. I don't need it. Take it. Yeah. That's just yeah. how I am. Yeah. But the day that everyone on Instagram put up a black square, I was hurting because it was a few days of that quietness. There were sirens all day long. Wow. And even though it's been COVID, there are kids that ride up and down the street on their scooters and their bikes. And and when I look outside and I see that happening, even if they have masks on, I'm comforted. And I know life is still going on. It had been stopped for about a week. I was really, really in pain because I was, I feel empathy on a pretty strong level. I was feeling not just upset for my brothers and sisters in this city, 
who thank God were not being violent, tons of peaceful protesters who are amazing and should be lauded for the way they were protesting. That's not who I'm talking about. I was talking about and thinking deeply about even, even the few people that were looting, that were stealing, that were walking around with their pants down and who knows what, and just not taking their lives or others seriously. Yeah. And it really got to me. It was bothering me so bad because I knew other people would interpret that as a cycle of anger and then have a civil war. And, you know, my brain was going all these places and I kept praying to God, what do I do? How can I be of service? I feel so powerless right now. And if I say anything, I look like a privileged white woman who doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. I've lived most of my life in the lower class, not middle, because I'm an artist and a teacher and I, you know how much money we make. So, you know, I'm always like just scraping by, you know, I might've come from privilege. I put out a video of me crying. I just said, I'm going to talk into here just so whoever sees this can feel that I'm crying with you, whoever you are, no matter what you look like. And a girl saw it and the comment said, who do you think you are sharing how you feel? This post is all about you. Just give us a minute. And I wrote her back immediately on the page. Just said, thank you so much for responding. This means so much to me that you took the time out to be angry and tell me how you're feeling or whatever it is. Tell, you, tell me how you're feeling. I wrote to her privately. I said, is there anything I can do? Because I feel so powerless right now. She goes, you can start by watching this, 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 and this and reading this, 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 and this. And I took it very seriously. And I said, thank you. And I started watching some of the stuff that is now on Netflix. Thank God. And I'm like, great. This is awesome. And I said, you know, I have a documentary. Would you take a minute to see it? And is there a time we can set up to talk on the phone? And she said, when you're done with all these things in about eight months, yes. (laughs) Wow. So the reason I'm sharing this story is because you would never do that. We have such limited time on this planet. In the last few months, I've seen people, well-meaning white people, really say things that they're really trying to be more woke and be more aware. And it's yeah. just not good, good enough for some people. It, it, it will never. It, it, exactly. And I think yeah. it goes back to that wound of forgiveness that we yes. carry around with us. And I'm tr- this is the whole reason I made this podcast is I desperately feel this is the thing that is going to heal humanity. There's so many things, right? Yeah. You know, eat better, kinder to people, whatever. But I really believe if we all took care of our own wounds and just forgave and that grandmother wasn't estranged anymore and you went back to the people that you felt abused in, how much lighter would this world be? Now, does that mean we just skip over apartheid in this country and we just skip over slavery and don't talk about it? No, God forbid. It's, it needs to be mandatory to have black history all the time in schools, just like we have Holocaust education, how this country was formed, get rid of those statues. I get all of that. And at the same time, we have to be like Dr. King and work with the way that we see people and not hold anger because like Malcolm X towards the end of his life starts to say, Hmm, Hmm, maybe. maybe being angry isn't my, my plan. Maybe I actually have to be more like Muhammad and walk with people. The way you said before, Derek, I got to walk with them, love them where they're at. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. figure out a new language together. 
that is our work here. One of my, my spiritual teachers said, I hope it doesn't end COVID until we get it. Otherwise, it would be a waste of time and it's going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. I and I think that's why we're not getting it. The numbers are going back up and yeah. why things are possibly getting shut down again is because yeah. we need a little more time to sit and really think about our actions our reactions, everything that we have encountered, people that we've encountered, the things that have been going on in our country with race relation, all of those things are things that we need to really, really contemplate and look at. And it's not about pointing a finger. It's like, where am I? What am I contributing to this? I have firsthand experience of being at a Farrakhan lecture. I was going to Grambling State University uh, at HBC, historically black college. It was very scary to me. For me, knowing that I have Caucasian people in my family, my stepfather is Caucasian. I don't look at him as being a white devil, like he was saying in his lecture. A rationally thinking person would be able to say, you know, that's not for me. It's not how I see people. It's not how I see God. That's what I was able to pull away from that. For someone else who has been hurt by mm -hmm. someone, I could see them saying, yeah, you know, buying it mm -hmm. to really have the heart of God in you. You will only see that love flows from him. Love for everyone. I call myself a Christian. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter your lifestyle, what you're going through, whatever, that's between that's right. you and God. Yes. It's for me, I am called to love you. I knew right away when Nick Cannon said what he said, it's like, dude, you're not looking at the effect that's going to come from what you said. He really believes that. All of us are black originally. All of us. Anyone that exactly. says that I don't come from the same exact seed that you guys come from is crazy. That's We're right. all connected. Yeah. I am so used to anti-Semitism. It's happened forever. Well, we like, believe that racism really... Its roots are in anti-Semitism. It comes from Judaism. Jews being yes, persecuted. Well, I'm assuming that Moses and, and all the Hebrews that started out under Abraham were probably darker than you. Exactly. So I assume that to be true. And when yeah. you... I wish, I wish Nick Cannon would just go to Israel. Yeah. You know? I'm not going to get caught up into that. I'm going to look for hope. I'm going to look forward. Yes. I'm moving forward. I'm going to do something that I normally wouldn't do myself up to something new. Yes. Something new. Usually what, there's something connected to that. Yes. There's mm -hmm. someone yes. or something yeah. that's connected. And mm -hmm. if we don't go, the fullness of what could come forth, yeah. we miss it. Yeah. God usually gives us another opportunity though. And oh man, the chances he's given me to get it right. You know, that's the great oh thing. God. He gives us yeah. so many chances yeah. to get it right. Yeah. Attached to slavery, we want to be in freedom. So we want to yes. live like this is all we sing. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I, I am a child of God. God. A slave. To fear. I am a child. And it's true. Yeah. I'm not gonna be a slave to fear. Yeah. I'm gonna launch out. Yeah. I'm gonna do. Think about it. We will reason ourselves right out of it. Yeah. I really answer. think you guys have so much to teach to share with the world. I really see so much in your purpose. I want to bless you that you continue to create opportunities 
in the articulate ways, in the soulful singing ways that you do, that everybody can bear witness to the way that you show up in the world. It's, it's so awe-inspiring. You're the first people I asked to be on here. I really think you have so much to teach the world. So, Well, we'll continue to, uh, to do that. They and thanks for being the stars there. of my video. It was so awesome. We love the video. I love you guys. God bless you. Stay in touch. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for your support. God bless you, sweetheart. We love you. Love you too. Here are some of the life lessons or takeaways that you can get from this episode. A smile goes a long way. It's like our rent that we pay for having this beautiful real estate called our face and the body that God gave us. When people take to the streets and protest and riot and even loot, it's coming from a deep need deep inside where they might feel that there's actually no other choice. When someone comes at you with hate and anger, look beyond the fault and see the need, see the soul, see that they are actually connected to you and that it's not about you. Their hate or their anger towards you is also not about you. Try to look beyond it. What would the need be beneath this hateful exterior? Being present helps bring clarity and awareness to God moments or divinely inspired moments, listening with both eyes and both ears. Whenever you can, try to show up for others. Be creative about it. Like Cece and Derek actually got into their cars during a pandemic and did a prayer on wheels mobile. 2020 is the year of the voice. It's not what you think, it's how you react that matters. So turn those thoughts into something good, a powerful reaction. Struggles do not have to be color attached. God's love can take you beyond society's limits if you trust God's love. Check your tree, check your lineage. The same thing that you could be hating in someone else, you could have in your own family. Forgiveness really is a process, and if you don't open up the door to it, you may stay stuck in the past and in the muck of the struggle and suffering. Listen to it, face it, bring it up, work through it, and then you can move forward. Forgiveness is like an onion. There may be many, many layers to it. If we have the patience to sit with it, cry through it, work through it, and let it go, throw it into the garbage disposal or the compost pot, you have a much better chance of moving past the negativity that was once there, letting it go, and not even having it be part of your future. This episode was produced by Katya Soto. And we're going to close out today's episode with a song that I wrote called You Are Gold. Thank you to Christine Kern for producing this track with your whole heart. Again, please look up and catch the video on YouTube under You Are Gold by Barbara Heller. See the light at the end of the tunnel. I see you cursing at the things that happened to you. I see you wondering to yourself, how could this be true? But you know you're exactly where you're supposed to be and you know
hear you Asking why is all this happening to me I hear you Burying your blessings under a tree And when your 